Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting. <clears throat> Today, sorry, we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Bill's story. We're on page five, second paragraph, which starts, gradually things got worse. And we're going to read through two, two paragraphs, ending with that chance vanished. And comments will be on both paragraphs. So today's readers are 12 Steps, Kathy M., 12 Traditions, Joni C., Martha Z. reading the text, Hillary B. reading page 164, and Susan S.H. hanging out being our backup reader. So the newcomer greeter is Loretta M., and our second hour host is Leah F. Somebody is unmuted, so if you could please press, that would be helpful. Uh, the reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 21115. Wait, that's totally not it. 21158. 21158. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time is 21159. 21159. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a vision for you, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now have Kathy M. read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. This is Kathy M. from Michigan, uh, reading the 12 steps today. Thank you for allowing me to be of service. I am a recovering compulsive overeater. Uh, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day, everyone. Well, thank you so much, Kathy M. Next up, Joni C. will read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Joni. Good morning. This is Joni C., gratefully recovered but not cured from Minnesota. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, Overeater uh, or OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, Joni. Okay, so here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you'll press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. To have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're resuming our study at the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're in Bill's story. We are on page five, second paragraph, where it starts there. Gradually things got worse, and we are going to read through two paragraphs ending with, that chance vanished, and comments go beyond both paragraphs. 
and Martha Z is going to get us started. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Kelly. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died. My wife and father-in-law became ill. Then I got a promising business opportunity. Stocks were at the low point of 1932, and I somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious bender, and the chance vanished. <laughs> Good morning, my friends in recovery. So if, if you look at the paragraph before where it says liquor ceased to be a luxury, and now we're talking about things getting worse, and then he, you know, he's got this great opportunity, and he blows the whole thing, and um, just shows the huge progression of this illness. And I, what I think when I read this is, it's 1932. He's still going to have about two, at least two more years, of going down, which is is very frightening because I I just keep thinking he's got to be at the end here. So anyway, I was going to you know, share about how I relate to all this. So in the beginning of my struggle, I lived at home with my parents and my brother, and I really thought that my overeating only affected me. I really didn't think it affected them at all. And um, I was around 20, had just I was teaching, and I'd come home from school, 3.30, and start eating. And my mom never had dinner till 7.30. So I was eating from 3.30 to 7.30, so I couldn't fit dinner in. And I just thought that was so obvious. Now, my father and brother were also drinking all that time. So um, I, my mom thought that I just didn't want to eat dinner with the family. Like all this, this uh, fierce misunderstanding. So I get married and I have a family, and then I go into food becoming a necessity. I needed food to manage my life. I, I didn't think I could live without it. And I had these two young children. I had a terrible two-year-old and a colicky baby, and my husband was commuting 82 miles a day. So I pretty much ate during the week and abstained on the weekends. So every weekend I had crushing headaches because I was going through withdrawal and pretty much spent my first anniversary in bed with a washcloth on my head. So I, I knew I was powerless over certain foods. I knew I could tell you what was going to happen when I ate sugar and flour, but I could not... I could not get to the second half of step one, which is I could not admit that my life was unmanageable. I was on the bus stop every day with my girls, and later I could see how untrue that was as well, and it really delayed my recovery. So at the end of my struggle, I was crying while I was eating. I I didn't want to do it another second. I couldn't stop. So I did 35 years ago. I went to treatment for food addiction, and... I, it was very hard. My my older daughter had just turned seven. My younger one was almost five. And I, w- I went with the willingness that I didn't care what they asked me to do. I was going to, if I had to stand on my head for six hours, I'd do it because I could not come home and do what I was doing before I left. So I got I put such a sacrifice for my family especially. I... Um, every morning I left my husband and daughters in God's hands, and I prayed for the willingness to do whatever I needed. Time. To re- oh, okay. So I just want to say that uh, recovery is also progressive. So um, so grateful um, that I I am you now depending on God to help me manage my life, 
And I still pray for the willingness to do whatever I need to do to recover today. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Martha, for getting us started. Okay, so we're going to now open up the meeting for sharing. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you share Tuesday meeting, please allow others the opportunity to share today. Please keep your share to three minutes to allow time for as many people as possible to share. I'll remind you when the time's up, and uh, please wrap up your sentence as fast as you can. And then give me your first name, initial of your last, and where you're calling from. Melissa, Melissa today. Hi, Melissa. Okay. Gotcha. Wait, was that Larry? That was me. I go. Okay, got gotcha, you, Larry. Harlan G. Harlan G. Liz E. UK. Liz E. Lisa N. Is it Alisa or Lisa? Lisa with an L. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Jessica M. Jessica. Anybody else want to get in this first round? All right. So I have Melissa, Larry, Harlan, Liz, Lisa, and Jessica. Make sure you guys uh, press star one, so we'll have a nice, quiet meeting. We'll get started with Melissa. Good morning, Melissa. Hey, good morning, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service. This morning, my name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and, um, you know, I, um, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to share today. Yesterday was actually 10 years of entire abstinence for me, and, um, and, you know, and um, I'm just really grateful to this group because I remember falling into this meeting really by mistake and hearing some of the voices that are going to share today that had a really clear, strong message for me. Um, and what I got, you know, specifically from these two paragraphs is that, um, you know, the things that Bill is experiencing here, you know, death of loved ones and illnesses, um, are not necessarily the consequences of his alcoholism, you know, although I would imagine that um, him being drunk, he was probably not the most helpful during these difficulties, you know, of life. Um, And I think back to myself because I experienced some difficulties and I know I wasn't available. You know, I was not a source of strength. Um, For me, you know, uh, before recovery, I experienced my father's decline and his death. I had a best friend that died. I had a child that died. And, you know, all of these things were sad and they were, for me, like the painful parts of being human um, and having human experiences. And my compulsive eating didn't necessarily cause those things, but I certainly didn't offer anything to anybody during those times. And You know, what I can also say is that gradual declines are inevitable. Like, I had lots of declines, and it's only when I look back at my life and I think about some of the consequences of my eating and my food addiction and my behavior, um, I think, what the hell? Like, why didn't I get off that downward elevator? I could have gotten off a million times. But, 
you know, it only seemed gradual because as my behavior worsened, as my situation worsened, my standards were getting lower and lower. And, you know, today what would be unacceptable was once the norm. You know, the other thing that these two paragraphs drive home is that profound losses and struggles, you know, don't cause me to eat. And neither do promising opportunities. They're not the cause either, you know. So in in my 10 years of being entirely abstinent and surrendering my will and my life over to my creator, I've had both. I've had both extremes, you know, um, and none of it ends today with taking a bite. And what, you know, I can happily report is that improvements in my life have been the opposite of gradual. You know, I remember in a few weeks I I felt incredibly better. I know I'm out of time, but um, – and I've seen that same situation happen for others as well. So my decline may have seemed gradual, but recovery can be profound and swift. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa. Congratulations. All right. Next up, we have Larry and then followed by Harlan. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for your service. Uh, this is Larry Kay, Recovered Compostable Reader from Chicago. Yeah, gradually things got worse. The, um, you know, it just speaks to the progressive, again, the progressive nature of this disease. And we hear that again and again <laughs> until it doesn't, maybe it doesn't really have any meaning. You know, think of a quote I heard, uh, I've heard many times, perhaps you've heard it, so late in life, there was this uh, famous writer, and uh, we've all heard of him. And they asked him later in life, they said, how did you go bankrupt? I mean, my goodness, you're one of the most successful writers, modern writers of all time. And he said, well, two ways, actually, uh, gradually and then suddenly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> gradually and then suddenly. And for, for me, this captures the essence of what appears like a slow accumulating decline followed by a sudden dramatic culmination of stuff right and 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 it illustrates the, the this buildup of problems over time and that's how this disease comes up for me and then all of a sudden a sudden what appears to be a sudden and profound crisis and it conveys that you know bankruptcy results from a series of small almost seemingly like insignificant things right that eventually it converges and it builds up into a major unavoidable outcome and it's so powerful. Um, and, and that's my experience here. So, you know, when I, for example, in program, in OA, you know, there was a time, I just remember one time, I could speak to a zillion times, but where I ate an entire box of uh, Pop-Tarts. That was not unheard of for me, right? I'm in program. I had no intention of an entire box of Pop-Tarts, whatever was in them. And I think it was a bigger box. It wasn't just, uh, you know, six or eight or 10, you know, maybe 10 or 12 or more. But anyways, the thing was, is I didn't see that coming. I thought I was going to meetings. I was talking to people. I was reading the literature. I was doing all these things. I was, you know, seemed connected. I seemed safe and protected. But the progressive nature of the disease was such, which I didn't understand. I wasn't doing the things that the text asked me to do so that I could have a transformation of mind, heart, and body, ultimately. And so eventually it seemed gradual, and then whammo, 
I got smacked over the head with a box of strawberry frosted Pop-Tarts. Okay. <laughs> what gives here? Well, what gave here was the progressive nature of this disease. And Bill, same type of thing. Gradually things got worse, you know, and then boom, he's going to get smacked over the head with alcohol again and again and wonder, how in the heck did I get here? And we hear that refrain on the line here, right? Ah, chronic relapser. Things were going well until they weren't going well anymore. Can I relate to that? Oh, you betcha I can. So, Fine. Thanks, Kelly. So the next guy will elaborate on it, I'm sure. Thanks. With that, I pass. Uh, thanks, Larry. That, that made me laugh because I'm going to say I'm going to say yes on that one. Harlan G., you're up <laughs> to elaborate. Thanks. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for your service. Um, uh, thanks for taking the meeting today. I'm Harlan G. I'm a compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. There's a couple of things here that are worth looking at in Bill's story. In the first eight pages of Bill's story, not only illustrate the fact that he has an allergy of the body and a twist of the mind, but it illustrates beautifully the progressive nature of the disease. The disease will keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse, whether we're eating or not. And a lot of times people like me get fooled that if you're not eating, everything's okay. Well, let's take a look at what we have here. Uh, 1932, stocks were at a low point, and Bill gets approached. Now, Bill has been going on diets. Remember when it said two paragraphs ago? There were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. These periods of sobriety was Bill going on a diet. That's all that was. He didn't know anything about alcoholism. He didn't know that he needed a spiritual remedy. So he just went on the wagon. In other words, he stopped drinking on his own willpower. Let's see how good that worked for him. These guys approached him from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. They were from Cherry Hill, and they approached him about a stock purchase. What is his opinion? And if his opinion proves out, they're going to cut him in on the profits. And a guy had a bottle, a jug of whiskey that he made himself. Remember, this was the days of prohibition. And the jug goes around once, and they're all meeting in this hotel room in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And uh, Bill Wilson doesn't take a drink because he's on one of his diets. And then the guy says to him, hey, Wilson, this is gluten-free. This is kosher. This is vegan. This is keto. This is... Uh, uh, whatever. I made this myself. Have we all heard that? I made this myself. Certainly it can't hurt you. Take one drink. That can't hurt you. He takes one drink and he can't get out of that hotel room for three days. So he's got to go back and tell Lois that she's believing that he's quitting drinking. She's excited because he's got this business opportunity. He hasn't made any money for years. And he finally has a business deal going for him. He's got to go back to her. He's got to tell her not only did he get drunk, not only will she not be seeing him for several days, scared out of her wits as to where the hell he is, but this business opportunity is gone forever. The chance vanished. He comes out of World War I on page one, and he says, I fancied myself a leader, for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation? 
My talent for leadership, I imagine, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. And you can see now that this is very different because of the progressive nature of the disease. Thanks, Kelly. With that, I will pass. Well, thank you so much, Harlan G. Appreciate it. Next up, we have Liz E. followed by Lisa N. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. My name is Liz E. for Elegant from Bristol in southwest England. And I report it's still raining. Um, so just really want to, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Just really want to encourage anybody, press star one. Um, it really helps and it changes your whole journey. Just do it. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. Um, but, you know, here gradually things got worse. And yeah, when I was, um, before I came to OA, things were just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But, um, and I didn't know, and I was lost in this gradual process of things deteriorating around me. And I was enforcing my will harder and harder on things. But I was also needing to eat more and more and more to fill the hole um, because and I just had to buy vast amounts of food and stay up after people had gone to bed so I could eat when they'd gone to bed. And then that horror of people coming downstairs and in the morning going, oh, my goodness, I thought there was all this cheese in the fridge. I thought there was this in the fridge. Where's it all gone overnight? Because all people have done is go to bed. And, of course, all I'd done is eat the food while they were asleep and and people just never understood and of course I just kind of behaved a bit enigmatic like I don't know shrugs your shoulders I don't know and of course it was me the things just got worse and worse and worse and then um you know I would have opportunities to do other things you know go and visit things go on I don't know, activities and this, that and the other. But I always made excuses. So things vanished from me um, and I just lost so many things. But today I do it differently. Today I'm recovered, but I'm only recovered today and I work it differently. And as people say, this is not a program for those who need it or want it, but those who work it, because otherwise all this will vanish Thanks a million, everybody. Take care. Have a beautiful day. I pass. Thanks so much, Liz E. All right. Next up, we have Lisa N. Followed by Jessica M. Good morning, Lisa. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Wisconsin. Did you hear me? I did. You're up. Thank oh, you. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service this morning, moderator. Um, so. You know, I was kind of excited by this paragraph, and, I, and the reason I say that is because there's so much selfishness in Bill's story, and I can so relate to that. But I thought, you know, God used that paragraph. Bill wrote that paragraph, and God used that paragraph to say that things were really getting bad. But for me, God used, he uses my story, too. And I can tell anybody, in fact, I'm, I'm looking for sponsor, a sponsee, and I would love to tell a sponsee my story and how bad it got because there's hope around the corner. 
it can get better. It doesn't have to stay like this. And I thought it was always going to be bad. And I always thought that was the story of my life. But it wasn't the story of Bill's. It wasn't the story of mine. And it doesn't have to be the story of yours either. And I I know that it's it's terrible and it you know, all these bad things are happening. Um but it doesn't it doesn't have to be and I think that this program can be so like such a light for people if they stay with it, if they turn to a higher power for help and ask for direction, that will be given. And I'm glad I'm not glad that things bad happened for poor Bill. I'm not, but I'm so grateful that he wrote his story for us, that we could see, you know, see our selfishness, see how um, how things they they were really bad, but they progressed into and blossomed into something wonderful. So, not that his life was always easy, and not that our lives will always be easy. Things are going to happen that are out of our control. But um, they can certainly be a different life than what they are today if, if you're struggling. So I'm glad you're here, whoever you are, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Lisa. Next up, we have Jessica M., and we'll open it up for more shares. Jessica, is it M as in Mary? Yes, that's correct. Perfect. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Thanks, everyone. All Thanks right. for leading. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, this is the the word that jumped out to me was gradually. Um, you know, certainly in you know in my disease, especially in this most recent relapse that I'm moving out of, um, it was it felt gradual. You know, and I think the line before this, where he says, "I still thought I could control the situation," there were periods of sobriety which renewed hope. You know, this is in my mind. This is really the disease kind of like lulling me into this sense of. Of, of complacency, like it's not that bad, it's really okay, until suddenly it is that bad. Um, and then I'm in a panic and, you know, worried and can't get out of it and feel like I can't get out of it. Um, the other thing that I got from this reading was that, you know, as gradually things get worse, we've talked about the disease being progressive. You know, he has these major, you know, kind of majorly, majorly big things that are that losing one's house, having deaths in the family, but then good thing, something good happens. He gets a promising business opportunity, but he still goes out and drinks. Um, and that, I certainly related to that. You know, in my eating and my compulsive eating, I could eat if it was, you know, something bad happened, if I had a bad emotion, if I had a, something negative in my life. But I would also overeat if there was something good. You know, it was really any excuse or no excuse to go compulsively overeat until it just gradually, you know, kind of took over every aspect of my life. Um, so I'm really grateful to have heard this paragraph and to, you know, identify so, so much with, with Bill's story. And thanks, everyone, for your shares. I'll pass. Well, thanks, Jessica M. Okay, so let me tell you guys where we're at. We're in Bill's story. Big book. The big book, obviously. Page five, second paragraph. Gradually, things got worse through two paragraphs today, ending with that chance vanished. So who would like to share that hasn't shared in the last three days? Ken W. Wanda R. Carrie N. A. Hillary B. Holy smoke. All right. 
let me tell you what I heard, but there was a jumbled mess that I could not get. So I got Sherry M, Ken, W-H, Carrie, Jen A, Hillary B. That's all I got. So who said their name I didn't hear? Wanda R. Wanda. I can't believe I got everybody. That's craziness. Okay, well, anybody that said their name that I missed? All right. Susan S.H. Susan S.H. All right, well, let's stop there. Okay, so everybody, please uh, mute your phone by pressing star one, and we'll get started with Sherry M. followed by Ken W.H. Hey, Sherry. You're doing a great job. We lost you, Sherry. Star one. How about now? Gotcha. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Thanks so much, Kelly. I was saying great job, and I'm Sherry Aaron, We <laughs> recovered in Wyoming. And, you know, this, what's really standing out for me is two paragraphs below. You know, I don't know. I, I wish I could see Bill's ninth step and what he wrote out about this situation. But what I'm looking at is they went to go live with his parents. Right. And then they stayed there for five years and they, you know, it wasn't a big house that they lived in. And now his in-laws are having to live with this for over five years where he is not drawing a sober breath. And now they, you know, he's sending his wife off to work in the department store, coming home exhausted. And he's drunk all day where the parents are watching this, the in-laws. And so in this paragraph, when I see that the house was taken over, and then his mother-in-law died, and his wife and father-in-law became ill. I, you know, grew up in an alcoholic home, so the first thing I thought of was in There is a Solution, where it says that an illness of this sort, um, and this is an alcoholic illness, where with it goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. And I just, you know, always wonder, you know, was he the cause of these illnesses? I don't know. I, I can only speculate, but I know that I grew up in an alcoholic home for a short amount of years. And, you know, if I, <laughs> and living with mental illness of an alcoholic is really crazy making and really affects the psyche and the well being of everyone involved. And so, um, you know, I, and I just think that this is the disease that keeps on giving. You know, this addiction, this compulsive overeating and people watching us suffer, eating when we're not supposed to eat and saying we're going to do this and, and lying and cheating and stealing. And, <clears throat> and especially when their poor daughter is, you know, this is who she chose for, you know, a, a husband. You know, I can only imagine. It's just, it's a heartache. And this really is the disease that just trickles on. And then just, you know, on a positive solution, it's also the solution, right? This spiritual solution really does trickle out as well. Um, so while the disease engulfs everybody, so can our recovery. And I am so grateful. Um, you know, people are watching us when we get recovered. And they watch our behavior and our actions and what we do and the, and the, the lives that we're living. And when, when God sets us free and then gives us lives beyond our wildest dreams and opens it up and we have joy and serenity and peace and we're no longer um, acting in just insane ways, you know, that also can affect everybody as well. So I'm really grateful. This is making me so grateful that I don't have to hurt those around me. My husband doesn't need to live with someone in active addiction today. 
God bless him if he did. You know, it's it's really heartbreaking. And so, um, anyway, thanks so much, Kelly. Have a good meeting. Can't wait to hear from everyone else. Perfect timing, Sherry. Thank you. All right, next up, Ken WH followed by Carrie. Good morning, Ken. Thank you, Kelly. Ken WH, recovered compulsive eater from North Carolina. Um, I'm just, I get thankful reading this uh, section, obviously. I think about Lois and uh, how pervasive the illness is, how it affects others. And uh, I'm just, (laughs) I'm grateful, and I'm sure Bill is, was too that uh, Lois didn't leave. He, she didn't cut and run. She stayed and hung in there with him. I'm sure her love for him uh, just kept them together. And that's a beautiful thing because I can relate to that 100% in my own life. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm just aware of, and it's been mentioned, is the progression, the gradual nature of it with moments of suddenness in the midst of it. Um, Back in the mid late 90s, I uh, had gotten up from a devotional time and prayed not to eat again, and I was in the refrigerator, and I uh, got caught, and I was on my knees before I knew anything was going on, and I was crying and blubbering and all that, and I thought that was a turning point, but things got worse, and then I was <laughs> five years later making... Uh, a trip with my wife uh, up north, and and uh, I got caught again, so to speak, and I just broke down and blubbered and blubbered and blubbered, and things got worse. And then there was another four or five years, and there was the candy wrapper that got found, and things got worse. And uh, and then finally, I did a creamer in the coffee experiment. And for some reason, that was finally enough. There was a a sudden uh, awakening, um, a moment of clarity, if you will. And and then I came to the fundamental realization that for all of those years, uh, falling on my knees, making promises and everything else, I was never, ever entirely abstinent. There was always some part of my alcoholic food substances in my body, and I was never entirely abstinent. And that was the aha moment that I got as a result of studying the big book with y'all. And after that, I'm so grateful. And I, I <laughs> Bill's aha is coming, but it's just not yet. <laughs> He's still got some time to go. I'm grateful that I... Uh, <laughs> reached my place of uh, that's enough. So uh, thank you, and have a great, great day. I pass. Thank you, Ken WH. Uh, Next up is Carrie, followed by Jen A. Carrie, I didn't get the initial of your last name. Did I hear a Carrie, star one? Well, maybe I didn't hear Carrie. Um, well, Jen A, are you available to go? Hi, good morning, Kelly. Yes, I am. Thanks so much for taking the meeting today, and thanks for being on the line. Welcome to the newcomer, and congratulations um, to those celebrating. What a, what a joy to celebrate with you, my friend. Um, wow, been there, done that. 
um, and worse, right? Like the story um, and what Bill's talking about. I can identify in this paragraph with a time in my life where things just kept getting worse. Um, in the food, I was an unlovely creature in my cups, an unlovely human being. Um, I got divorced. I lost my house. I owed hundreds of dollars of debt. I had no job. I had no health insurance. It was just getting worse and spiraling out of control. I couldn't get a job because I had falsified a police report. And so I had um, something on my record that um, people wouldn't hire me. So in the meantime, I'm trying to get it expunged by a lawyer. You hear what I'm saying? Like, I'm try trying to raise two young kids as a divorced single mom in a new household that I didn't even pay for the house. My parents had to buy it so that I could rent it from them because I couldn't even find a place to live. Whew. Yeah, that's what the food eventually did to me and broke me down. And I like Bill too. Hmm, I'm singing that soon. You know, like, watch me, watch me. Ooh, I got this. I got this. And I see all the eyes in that paragraph. That's me in the disease. Um, but gradually, you know, without the food today, I could recover. And I'm just going to say that. During recovery, I still, you know, came up against road bumps. As I was recovering, I was still making poor choices. The difference is that um, I was living somewhat of a different solution in a different place with a sponsor, listening to meetings, working the 12 steps. And so as things came up for me, like getting a 90-day um, notice at my job because I was a bull in a china shop and I was still running riot even though the food was down and I had worked the steps. Like, it's not like a bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, somebody waved a magic wand, and because I did 12 steps, my life was perfect. You know, I just want to say on the line, it takes time. And it's five, six, almost seven years, and then all of a sudden, it's like things are getting a little bit easier. Yeah, I can show up at work this week and host 111 people yesterday and have a staff of 10 that actually likes me and listens to me, and wants to be of service to me. Wow, that's a difference today. And that job that I got a 90-day notification on that I was going to lose it if I didn't get my stuff together, I'm celebrating 10 years in April, God willing. That's what the program does for me. It's a program that gives me the steps, that gives me a way to work through life's problems, and gives me a design for living that I can live the rest of my life if I choose to keep working this program, if I choose to keep making good choices and not put any alcoholic foods back into my food program, right? And then at the same time, just the joy of it all is that I get to give it away to other people. And that's what Bill's doing for me in these paragraphs. He's reminding me, you know, he I'm, did this for us. I get to do it for other people. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much, Jen A. All right. Is Carrie out there? Star one. All right. Move on. Hillary B. Followed by Wanda R. Hillary B. You're up. Thank you, Kelly. I'm Hillary B. From Southern California. Uh, thank you, everyone, for sharing who sh who shared this morning. And um, gradually, things got worse. Yes, gradually, and then suddenly, like someone else shared. Um, I destroyed marriages. I destroyed friendships. I, I lost tons of relationships. I quit jobs right and left because none of them were good enough for me. Uh, I was a tornado roaring through the lives of innocent bystanders, and I never knew it. 
all I ever saw was that I was a victim. I'm a victim. Poor me. Poor me. Let me eat another hot fudge Sunday, and that's not enough hot fudge. Never it was. It was never enough hot fudge. And um, and I and for many years I kept trying to be abstinent in OA. Once I found OA. But I kept falling into self-pity and straight into the food. And I was the destroyer, but I felt sorry for myself because it was everybody else. I couldn't see. I couldn't see. And um, at the same time, this might not sound logical, but I was obsessed with doing whatever I could to win others' approval, bending myself like a pretzel so I could be okay. I needed food for all of that. I needed food so I could stay in denial. I could not stop. I could not, uh, no matter how many promising opportunities I got. And I, I had, looking back on my life, I have had so many opportunities to have amazing things in my life. I couldn't take advantage of any of them. I may tr- have tried for a little while, but I couldn't stick to anything. I couldn't, everything was too hard. Everything was too painful. All I could do was eat. And I am so grateful to have found recovery this way. Just uh, actually yesterday was day 300 of being abstinent. It's not 20 years, it's not 10 years, but 300 days is, I'm grateful. The difficulty is, because I put down the food, because I've worked, I've worked the steps and I'm living in the steps, because I uh, have a higher power, more is being revealed about me. And it's not comfortable. It's not pretty. I'm not proud of it. But it is leading me to freedom and to learning a new way of being. And I'm learning it. But it's so slow, like others have said. I don't feel like I'm making any progress. But I'm showing up each day, doing my best. And I don't want to get back into the food, even when the pain hits. Even when I see ugly stuff about myself. Because I don't want to get back into that self-imposed prison I locked myself in. Thank you for for timing me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your share, Hillary B. Thank you for your share. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Wanda R. Followed by Susan S. H. Good morning, Wanda. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Crowley. Uh, yeah. You know, um, this is uh, a great passage, and um, I, I'm so grateful I'm here. Um, I'm from the Chicago area, and um, I've been abstinent for a long time, and um, I do remember uh, when my world got smaller and smaller and smaller, the food got greater and greater and greater, and, uh, you know, um, I kept wanting to live in the future. Uh, I wanted to achieve, I wanted to do great things, uh, and it just wasn't happening, and my whole life was all about um, using food like an alcoholic would use liquor for courage, you know, courage, 
uh, I was so filled with fear, uh, fear of people, situations, uh, emotions. I was an emotional eater, and uh, my mind would spin towards what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And uh, so I would eat, and uh, that was, I could put aside the fears for a second, and then I would jump into a situation. It could be the start of a day at work. It could be uh, a party. It could be, uh, you know, whatever. But I just was always, uh, you know, so terrified to uh, participate in life. And, you know, that that took a one day at a time alt uh solution uh it was like just making it through the first week with no bulimia you know the first day putting one day together one hour at a time stretching it to two days stretching it to three days and i do remember going oh my god i made it to one week it was amazing, and I thought, wow, let me see if I can make it to eight days, you know, and that was so exciting. But, you know, uh, the other thing is that there are, there's a learning curve, you know. For a long time, I had to learn what were my trigger foods. I had to learn what to avoid. I had to learn how to eat. I had to learn. I'm Thank you. But I had to learn, you know, how to be uh, enjoying life without overeating and be successful without celebrating with food. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wanda R. And next up, Susan S.H., and we may have room for another share after Susan. Hey, Susan. Good morning. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful. Um, These two paragraphs together really highlight how Bill would cope with bad times, awful times, and with good times and successes. I can identify with that. I, I I turned to the food, to level off my emotions. I, absolutely. My disease made my go-to food food. My go-to was food. It was irresistible to my twist of the mind. And most all of the time when I was in the disease, I was operating under the influence of a craving I couldn't resist. I'm grateful that these two paragraphs together point out how I was like Bill. Um, and I accept and am grateful that the disease brought me to a desperation to want and need our solution and then to do it and act on it. I am so glad to run to my higher power today rather than the food with the good times and the bad times. For over seven years now, I'm just I'm full of gratitude today. Um, And I recall it is a design for living that works in rough going. These directions, these directions that are the 12 steps have changed my life in amazing ways. 
and it just keeps it keeps growing more is being revealed and i'm very grateful for where i am and that is that's my story i pass well thanks susan fh so we have time for one more share who would like to share kelly h kelly h Precious. kelly h go ahead you're up kelly Thank you. Hey, real quickly, um, came through in the reading. Oh, by the way, Kelly H., compulsive overeater, um, and three days abstinent starting today. Woohoo! Um, one thing I realized is that Bill's house that he was living in was larger, and when it got lost, and all this pain happened of the loss of his mother-in-law, and the sicknesses happening. Their apartment, or they downsized to a smaller location. So that house of pain was immediately shrunk so that everybody was on top of each other. And all this pain, there's no place to isolate except for in alcoholism. Um, Or for me, you know, the times in my life when my sphere got smaller, my awareness of my disease got larger. And made it even more desperate because there wasn't enough time to myself. There wasn't enough time to actually be successful (laughs) um, in other areas or to fake it or to come out looking clean or whatever because everyone could see my mistakes or my slips or my conduct. And um, I'm grateful um, in my life today that there is um, abstinence and an opportunity to grow and grace, but sometimes it needs to be uncomfortable for me to face the music. So, um, so grateful for Bill's share, for everyone's shares here and your service. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Well, thank you so much, um, Kelly H., for your share. Um, We have a minute, if somebody wants a minute. Well, we'll just wrap it up. Who is it? Novella. Novella, Novella, okay. Yeah, one minute. Go ahead. One minute. Okay, let's do this. Um, What I see in this is a poor man who doesn't have a solution. He doesn't even know he has a disease. This This is what our addiction does to us. And that's the way I live my life until I found the solution. And thank God I live in the solution today. I don't live in the problem. And I'm just so grateful for what I have learned from Vision for You. I studied it for the 12 steps for two years, and I still didn't get it until I came here. Um, and I'm just, it, you know, it's the peeling away, but eventually you get it, and don't let it go once you have it. Work on your spirituality, make it grow. That's all I got to say. Thank you. This is Novella from me. Perfect timing. All right, guys, we're wrapping it up. So thank you, everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, is 21 
2116. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Hillary B., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes. I forgot I was going to do this. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously... You cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 